This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. I am so thrilled to have Krista Nix today. Krista is the wife of Patrick Nix, head football coach for Central High School in Phoenix City, Alabama. Welcome. Thank you, Kristen. Glad to do this with you. Now, your husband, Patrick Nix, was 38-4 and four in three years in Pinson Valley, leading his team to the Classic A state championship in 17 and 18. Now, prior to that, a tremendous college coaching career with stops at Miami and Georgia Tech, among others. When you hear all of those stats and all of that listed out, from your eyes, what makes Coach Nix special? Well, you know, in the coaching standpoint, for sure, is Patrick's passion. I mean, that's just the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask me that. It's just his passion for his players, um, his tough love. I think that um, it's his refusal to fail um, for the kids, but he just loves his players. And I think that's just really, especially in the last few years on the high school level, is just really kind of turned into some wins. It doesn't always do that for coaches, but um, the passion that Patrick has, not just for the game, I'm not really, I mean, we all as coaches have a passion for the game, but for sure, it's just his to see his players be successful. And um, that's really his drive. And, and I think that's, that goes in, it spills over to wins. Now, we'll talk more football later, but I have to know a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? And did you ever envision this life as a coach's wife? Well, I was a Georgia girl, um, born and raised in Dalton, Georgia, little corner of the state, close to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and really um, grew up uh, listening to um, Georgia football because at the time, I'm telling my age, that's the, really kind of the only thing you could get. You know, you listen to them on the radio and occasionally saw an ABC game. So I remember my dad early on. I mean, we listened to college football. And um, so that's, you know, what I got. But later on, about middle school, had a friend that um, went to Auburn and my dad and I started um, going over to Auburn to ball games and just fell quickly in love with it. So I had the first 18 years in Georgia. And then when I went off to college to Auburn, I've actually never been back to live. Of course, I still have some family there. Never thought that I would live this life for sure. Um, actually, you know, when you're a small town girl, you think you go off to school and you'll come back and marry a small town boy. And um, I married a small town boy. He just went from Dalton. And if you would have told me, you know, oh, young, that you're going to have this crazy life and live all over the South. And I would have said, no, not me. I mean, you know, I'm outgoing and all, but that's not me. I'll come back to Dalton and live. And, and um, that's just not the case. Now, Patrick Nix played quarterback at Auburn, helped to lead that perfect 13-0 season in 1993. Now, I'll let you finish the story because I can tell you went to Auburn. How did you meet Patrick Nix? Well, um, you know, there's two sides to that story. One is mine and the other one's Patrick. <laughs> um, if you ask him, he'll say that I stalked him and I was, you know, all this and I 
picked him out and I guess I kind of did but actually the truth be told we were set up by our now very best friend um she was a year older than Patrick and I and worked in the athletic department as a tigerette and had helped recruit Patrick and when she met me we were sorty sisters and she said just I know who you're going to marry and it was as plain as that I mean she's like I have you know I found him for you you just got to meet him and a few months after that, you know, we settled in the end of my sophomore year. She kind of set us up on a uh, blind date. And, and then, I mean, I, I have to say the truth is, and within two weeks, we knew we were getting married. So really? it was kind of quick. And, and yeah, I just kind of knew. And just even now, my children, they're like, you know, Mom, do you believe in love and first sight? And I'll go, what about love in two weeks? <laughs> because it's kind of what happened to your dad and I. I mean, it just was really fast. And, and um, it just was easy, you know, and, and that's, we waited two years to get married. We did get married his senior year, which is a little unusual back then. Um, I graduated in more season left to play. Um, and so we did that married and um, it's kind of was a good start of the crazy life that I was going to lead. So, wow. anyway. And how long have y'all been married? Actually, 25 years, July 1st. 20. So it's been a quick 25 in some ways and a long 25 in others. You know, <laughs> when I think about all the moves and the games and, you know, just dragging my kids to games and moves and, um, you know, dragging my kids home to see grandparents that you hadn't seen in months because you live so far away and, and all. But then it's, it's really, it's, it's going by fast. It's been a great adventure. Okay. You have children. So names and ages. Uh, yeah, I've got five children. Four I bore and one I'm raising. So um, they go from 22 to 12. I have a senior, Emma Grace, at Auburn. She is um, about to graduate in nursing school. And she's getting uh, giving me my first son-in-law in May. So that's kind of an exciting thing going yes. on with us right now. Um, and then I have another kid at Auburn, Bo, um, who's a student athlete down there and a football player. And so he went in early. So he's been there a year, but still in a way kind of in that freshman year. But yeah, he's been there already a year um, as an early enrollee. And then um, we have Tez, who has been with us for a little over two years. Um, a little under two years, excuse me, and he graduates um, in a, here in a few months and will just actually just signed with Troy to play football there. So we're really excited for that. So he's, he's about to fly the coop too. And then awesome. I have Caleb, who is a sophomore. And then there's our sweet Sarah, which we call our Miami surprise, um, that is in sixth grade. So she's the caboose of the next train for sure. Wow, you are busy. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Now, do you work outside the home right now? Actually, I do um, a, a little bit. <laughs> when I say that, I am um, graduated from Auburn as a teacher, but only taught a couple of years before I really just stayed at home and had babies. And then in this crazy, you know, profession of moving state to state, um, we just, you know, we just uh, decided for me to stay at home. I loved every minute of it was home about 16 years and decided to go back to nursing school. Um, so I did do a, uh, went back, it's pretty much a four-year BSN plan. So I went back for like another totally new degree. Wow. Um, and that um, 
had to work a little bit full-time there at the beginning when I graduated from nursing school just to get my experience, but now I work as what they call a PRN nurse, so I just kind of work when I want to, really. It is fantastic, fantastic career, and if you have a passion for nursing, it's, it's great. I do bedside nursing one to two days a week at a hospital downtown Birmingham in critical care, um, so that's on the move, too, but, you know, when things get crazy with the kids, I back down a little bit, don't work as often, and then when, you know, we get in a good good even kill that I need to work a few days here and there. I do that too. So it's great. Wow. That's phenomenal. And very unique that you had a career change halfway through. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah at 40. <laughs> so, yeah. That's incredible yeah, to great. go all the way back through school. That had to have been hard and you're raising children at the same time. Yeah. You know, I look back and go, why in the world, how in the world did I do that? I know why, but how in the world did I do that? But um, just really had a passion for nursing. Always did can remember being very um, like jealous of, of my friends at Auburn that had already, you know, gone through to do nursing school. I was like, there's something missing, but, um, you know, loved a few years that I did teach, loved being at home with my kids, but knew that was a passion. And, and Patrick is just very supportive and great when I walked in and was like, you know, and that's a whole nother story in itself, but kind of had a move to where I knew it was a good time to go back and um, had a lot of support there and um, the neat thing is the lady who was like my best babysitter for Sarah she truly helped me get back into nursing school is now um, my daughter's future mother-in-law so really sweet story how that all happened you know yeah but um, so she was a precious friend of mine who really helped me get through that first little bit of school with Sarah and then um, we had a move and actually finished in Alabama but that was in Charleston and and now my little girl's marrying her her son. So wow. sweet, sweet things, how things, yeah, come come full circle in this crazy world. So let's talk anyway. about that circle, your journey uh, to back to Alabama. Talk to me through these 10 moves. So you met at Auburn and where all did you go from there? Yeah, so um, we did meet at Auburn. Like I said before, we were married um, for the first season. And then um, Patrick really... Um, and I know people say this is kind of hard to believe, but because everybody wants to play in the NFL, you know, like who wouldn't, but Patrick really didn't have a burning desire to pursue NFL opportunities. It just, um, he just, he always laughs and says, look, you know, I'm going to be drafted high, so it's going to be kind of bouncing around and he was just ready to coach. And so we dove in it head first immediately right after he graduated and um, very fortunate, got a a full-time job at Jacksonville State, which is unusual because most people have to go the GA route. Um, and so we moved just up the road here in Alabama and stayed at Jacksonville State. It was a Division One AA school at the time and stayed there for three years, had Emma Grace, um, and then took a move west. Um, really a, a funny story just on a dare. Patrick um, interviewed and, and um, applied for the head coaching job at Henderson State. And at 26, got that job, um, wow. learned so much. It was really, it was, it was good and bad two years. We didn't win a lot of football games, but, but we had some great experience and did a lot of great things and um, had, had my, our bow out in Arkansas and then came back east of the Mississippi for a year at Sanford a University here in Birmingham. Um, and then got a call from um, a great coach and Coach Gailey, who was at Georgia Tech at the time, um, and just in a roundabout way, which a lot of coaches get 
get jobs in crazy ways, as we all know. But um, so we stayed there for five years, wow. and we thought we'd hit the jackpot because who stays anywhere for five years? You know, very few of us do at the time, and, and had another kid there. So Kayla was in a, a Georgia boy, um, stayed there five years, uh, loved it, had some great seasons, and then moved to Miami um, at the University of Miami, where, you know, I often laugh and tell people that was my Nineveh. Um, I truly, Patrick took me to Miami kicking and screaming. As a coach's wife, I just heard all these horror stories, you know, about recruiting Miami, and then here we are, we're going to go to Miami. Um and so we did. We had two years there and actually, um, you know, when you know it, but he, he pulled me out of Miami kicking and streaming. We loved it. My children loved it. It was a great two years. And uh, then actually we were fired from Miami. I might not make that clear. So when we left, um, you know, we had a year and a half left on a contract and Patrick said, I'm tired. You know, I'm just tired of being on the train of just coaching it just nonstop as we all know it can get. And so we thought, you know, Miami's paying us. And so um, we just kind of took took a little sabbatical. Um, and it was great. Um, really, really it's great on so many levels. Um, however, it was, <laughs> you, know, you go from doing everything on your own and never having your husband home to all of a sudden having your husband home for a year so truth be told by the year I was like you know you're going back to work you know, like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do something you know so um but um it was great um we had a lot of time that we'd never had in our marriage had time with my children that he had never had and really that year he wrote a book um wow. crazy I wrote a book called David had a dad he had been doing a lot of well, let me just preface that by saying faith is just really important to us, and um, we both are very strong cross followers and, and have been. We, we look at coaching as our ministry. Um, it's a passion, but it's our ministry, and so in that year, he just kind of got to step back and look and, and realized, you know, I've, I've missed a lot of my kids, and our boys were starting to grow up, and he just kind of, he was the son of a football coach, mm. and he knew from just his life of how special it was to be to have that relationship with your dad and and um in the grand scheme of things it's really special on a day-to-day basis it gets a little hairy sometimes but but he knew how special it was for him to have been coached by his dad so he kind of started getting a little itch of I really want to coach my boys and uh, but we stayed out of it for a year Um, a lot of people I think, quite frankly, coaches are scared to do that. I think they're afraid when they do, they'll they'll miss their chance to get back in it. And we all know how it's a rat race and so hard to stay in it sometimes. And and um, but he just felt like he needed to do it and wrote the book about um, David, some leadership qualities of of David. He had been doing a Bible study with his players for years on that, and decided just to put pen to paper and write it. And and it talked about what kind of dad, you know, David had to have had, um, biblically speaking, when, you know, somebody raised David, and and how is it to raise a David, so did a lot of research on that, and wrote that book, and it's a great year of our life, and then, ironically, it was our oldest daughter who kind of pushed him back into coaching, Mm -hmm. and so we took a smaller school, um, had a couple of D1 opportunities, but just felt like he was going to get back in the the craziness of it and if he was going to make a change for his kids he needed to do it then 
So we went to a smaller school in Charleston Southern in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. It was a beautiful place to live. And um, so, and really on the prodding of our oldest daughter, you know, who um, just really, instead of pulling him out of it, you would think, kind of pushed him back into it. And and we spent three years there and great, you know, good, good three years. But um, he just, that itch got bigger to coach the boys. So um, Bo being my oldest boy, as he was entering middle school, um, he just kept, you know, at night, he just kept saying, I, I you know, we're going to miss out. I'm going to miss out on coaching the boys if we don't do something. So we just kept praying about it and, ask, you know, just kind of asking for guidance on when to do it and where to do it. We had been in Georgia. We had loved the Atlanta area. That was between both our parents. Um, so we felt like it was a good location. Then we realized, you know, we got an older daughter that said since she was four, she's going to Auburn. So what are we thinking? Like in-state tuition, ding, ding, ding. Right. Yes. <laughs> so we um, sort of pursuing some things in Alabama, and that brought us back to a small school in the northeast corner, Scottsboro, and that's where Patrick took the reins of his first high school program, and just a program that he just really didn't have a lot of winning tradition, and, and just dove in and really turned it around in a, in a short while and God just blessed and Bo grew and Caleb grew and they started playing football there. Um, our boys didn't play little league. So that was kind of the first for them to don pads and be a football player. So it was an exciting little time. And, and then um, we um, had a great year. Bo was a sophomore, um, really fun, good um, season. And then things just kind of, led into a, a coaching change down moved us here to Birmingham um, at a school here in Pinson Valley and it's a little bit larger school than Scottsboro and and um, we had two magical years here uh, with Bo at the helm um, and so that was just storybook to be honest with you I mean it was um, to win one was just a blessing, but to bring home two back to back. And, wow. you know, anytime your senior kid can win his last football game, it's pretty yes. special. Yes. I think any mom will tell you that. And, um, and, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't get into high school to win state championships. It was truly to, to, to just for, for Bo and Patrick and Caleb and Patrick to have that experience together. And, um, we even had Patrick's dad come out of retirement for a couple of years when we lived in Scottsboro and coach along beside Patrick, which made wow. it even more storybook. Wow. Um, really, he was, a, he is a incredibly long standing successful coach in Georgia and finally got him to retire. And then um, we, so he could watch the boys play. And then uh, he came back for a year or two and helped Patrick on the defensive side of the ball. And it was sweet time, you know, to have three mm -hmm. generations there. It was, it was a real sweet time in our life. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, and then anyway, so Pinson brought, you know, Bo with the, the um, graduating and, and signing. And then just here recently, um, just praying through some things again, we um, took, took steps and moved, or we're moving to Central and Phoenix City, uh, which is a 7A school and um, got a big winning tradition. So it's not really a job he has to turn work to turn around, if anything, it's to keep that. So it'll be interesting, a new new thing. And now Caleb is, is Caleb's turn, and um, he's on varsity now. So we'll definitely finish out the next couple of years for sure in high school. Wow. So, what a when journey. you have that many schools, that took a while. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> For now, those that are listening, that's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's neat to hear the history of it. Now, you 
your son Bo Nix was the first quarterback to start as a true freshman at Auburn since 1946. He finished the year as the SEC's freshman of the year. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, two state titles, first-team All-American, among many other awards. What are you most proud of when you hear what he's been able to accomplish? The thing I'm most proud of, well, two things. One is how he has taken this step in a year and the growth that he has made just as a man, as a young man, how he has, um, in, in every facet, I think I just more sit back and like, wow, you know, you went from that high school senior and you stepped into this where you were supposed to have a couple of years to mature into it. And you're, um, you know, handling the public, you're handling media, you're handling things that I knew you would be able to, but it just came so fast for Bo. Um, it's not the easy way. I mean, you know, it sounds great. Oh, wow. You know, starting as a freshman, but it is a difficult road, you know, for that. And I think that's it. And then the fact is GPA is still high and I'm super proud of that as a mom, you know, I'm like, he, he is a student first and, um, you know, he, he often kids and says, boy, I wish you could go to college and just play football. I'm like, wouldn't you all, you know, wouldn't we all? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I am. I mean, I think he's just, just handling everything the way that he has handled. It has definitely been, um, the most challenging year, but he has loved it. Um, you know, in the growth that I've seen him just from a boy to a man for sure. And, um, like I said, and how he's handled himself is probably, and you know, yeah, I am, I am proud of those wins. I'm proud of how he's competed on the football field, but I I knew that's how he would. And, and I think he's still going to, you know, have growth in that area too. And so it's, it's, it's neat to sit back and watch, you know, when you see your kids grow up, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, that's really kind of where, you know, you've just, you've, it's, it's good. It's a proud moment for sure. You've been the wife of a quarterback in the same stadium. Now you're the mom of that, of a quarterback in that stadium, 90,000 screaming fans. Do you ever just pause, pitch yourself and go, wow, this is really happening. When you turn on college game day, they're talking about your son. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that weird? Is that- and that's a good way to say, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes when I'm walking through the house and, and I just hear it, you know, I'm just like, oh, that's, you know, our bow. Or the weird things, I think we were watching a baseball game last fall on ESPN. And then they, they talked about it in the baseball as a lead into sports center. And I, I had to go get the remote and like rewind it. And I was like, that's our kid. I even looked at Patrick. I was like, that's our kid. You know? <laughs> so yeah, it is. But you know, Bo has, for for lack of a better way of saying it, just kind of been groomed for this. Um, not from Patrick's side. I, I want to be clear on that. You know, people ask us all the time, does Patrick just set out to make a quarterback? No, you know, um, not at all. But some kids just have it. And Bo and Caleb both have just always been drawn to that sport, even the days that dad was in college and never came home. I mean, college wives out there know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Our, our husbands spend so much time coaching everybody else's kids and laugh when those people say, oh, you know, your dad must play with him in the backyard 24-7 and throw. No, you know, because he's not at home to do that. But both the boys have been um, little football fans since then. And, and Bo, you know, <laughs> Most people sit your toddler in an exercise or, or whatever to watch 
you know, PBS or Caillou or Arthur and my kids at set and I would put a little DVD screen and they would watch cutups of their coach dad. That's what we call their granddad, coach dad's cutup videos. Uh, not even any music to them, just wow. film. Wow. And these were the days before Huddle. And I often laugh at other moms. I'm like, oh gosh, y'all have Huddle. Now I could put Huddle in front of Bo. But back then, I had to literally put a DVD and put it on constant, you know. And um, and Bo would always watch that. So he's kind of asked for this, so to speak. I mean, this is what his, he's dreamed of playing in a stadium somewhere. And, and it just worked out that it is, you know, where we've put a lot of love and passion in 25 years ago. So um, it is neat. For sure. It's a blessing. I mean, God has been just amazingly blessed both so far. And it's just, it's it's humbling for sure. You've mentioned that you were really honest here, which is coaches kids sometimes can have it harder than others because their dads are gone so much and they're coaching other, other people's kids. And sometimes that raising of the family falls to the wife. Um, that coach's wife that's listening out here feels like they're doing it all and they're all alone. Are there some things you tried to focus on that you're seeing the results of with Bo? I mean, you mentioned putting film on. Are there some other things you've done with all of your kids? Um, as well, you know, practical things. We always say it's really not just Patrick's job. It's It's our ministry. And so it wasn't just going to see daddy at work. It's just kind of everything, what we did. And at the same time, some practical things is, yeah, we were always at practice when we could be. We were always at games. Um, We just made a choice in our family, very different from what a lot of other families do. But we just made a choice that in the fall, our kids really did not do extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. My boys didn't play Little League football. Um, Rarely would they play fall baseball. Uh, You know, my daughters would do things during the week, of course. But game day was was family day um it was when family came in and so i didn't want to be running around to other things when i had family at games and whatnot and and so i think that we just kind of made it a family affair so they never although patrick wasn't around they didn't feel disconnected from their dad Mm -hmm. and um they were very involved in that and from the time that they were little and and mature enough and again our, my boy, especially those, just been so unique about that is they've been at the office with him. They've broke down video with their dad um, and all. But then as just a whole family wide, you know, my kids laugh at me, but this is so true. This is the, the backbone quote of our family is football is what we do. It doesn't define who we are. And I say that constantly to my children. I remind Bo all the time. I remind Caleb all the time in his transition of going into a new high school, you know, Caleb has a lot of expectations on him, the little brother to Bo, the son of Patrick, you know, the grandson of coach, you know, just a lot. But football is just what we do. It it doesn't define everything that we are. And that's how it is at a family. It's what we do, but it, it totally, now the world might define us, but Nick's family is a football family. But we know we're more than that. And and I think that's just gone more than anything of, you know, it, and that kind of, okay, not okay, but makes the times that we don't see dad, it's a little bearable because we know why. And we know how important it is for dad to, to be where he is at that time. So Love that it's mission. not always easy, but that's, no. that's how we kind of handled it. Love your mission. It's about ministry. I mean, you've said that. I love it. Absolutely love it. This business Absolutely. is 
very tough. It's very competitive. Like you said, that you've experienced the highest of highs and power five and then making transitions here and there. Has there been some adversity along the way that you both have faced maybe in this industry and that you had to really rely on something to get through those moments? Absolutely. You know, when I um, initially, I just think of the firings. Um, Technically, we've been fired three times, but two was because our head coach was let go. And fortunately, those two times we were able to stay at the school. That doesn't always happen. So we weren't thrown into that world of a hurry up and find a job. You're in transition. You don't have one. The firing from Miami was was rough on Patrick, not only professionally, um, but just it's hard because, you know, the truth isn't always out. And And I think especially in this perfect, whether you're on college or high school, I mean, they're media now, doesn't matter. You know, you're not, nobody's not touched with that in this profession um, for sure. And I think that sometimes, you know, as things come up with that, you know, you can always tell that you can always tell the whole story, so to speak. And, and so you kind of find yourself in just waiting through things and waiting on that. And that's where we've kind of just really turned our faith. Um, you know, Patrick has never really, Patrick, well, I can't say that because he, he got one job by truly applying for it. Um, everything else, which like for most of colleges is, is just really random who you know, who you hear, how you stumble upon, so to speak, crazy stories. And I would, I would think that the majority of us have these crazy stories of how our husbands have gotten jobs. And, and so um, I think, you know, through the hard times we have, we've just, turned our faith and know that, you know, um, it, whatever was meant or whether professionally or whatever to, to harm or make us feel like we weren't having, being successful, even the losing seasons. I mean, you know, we've had two state championships and was one game away from playing for another one, but Patrick's also been on a couple of teams with zero, one and two wins. So, you know, it's not just the firing season. It's it's just, you know, adversity comes with that, but, but, you know, I think at first it comes with any profession and um, it's just kind of how you handle it. And, and I often say, I don't know how people get through it without those um, because that's definitely a driving force for us. But, um, you know, and helps us to get through it. But, you know, you just have to we say we're the next team, you know, and the next team sticks together and um, no matter what. And so that's, that's kind of kept us going through some tough times for sure. You've experienced a lot of levels of football. So correct me if I'm wrong, Power 5, FBS, FCS, D2, high school, almost every single level. There's some things you learned at the different levels of football. I mean, did you have some things that you liked about each level? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, There are great things about each level. And then there's negative, you know, things um, from time to pay to uh, just the the situation of what you know the the health of the program. I mean, all those things are different. There's been good and, and bad, but you know, I think the most important thing I've learned about all of that, like just hearing you say that, the thing that I think of is that, yeah, they're really different, but coaching is really the same, mm-hmm. and that's what I think is the beautiful thing about a, the sorority of coaches' wives, because um, you might be the wife of the freshman coach at whatever school, or you might be an NFL wife, but we experience the same emotions on game day. We experience the same frustrations after a loss. 
we, you know, worry about our husbands in times that they're feeling down or whatever. Like we are so kindred spirit in all of that, no matter what level um, that we have. And, and I think that's what's so precious about our, our profession is that the coaches have camaraderie and, you know, you know, they know each other, but it's great to have that camaraderie and that community with the wives. And, um, and that's what I've learned about, you know, that's what I've enjoyed about well, for instance, we're very involved in FCA, and FCA does a coaches camp every year, a couple of them here on the East Coast, and one's in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Our children have been raised on the mountain, so to speak, in the summer we go, and, and you know, there are uh, NFL coaches there, and there are volleyball middle school coaches there, and um, we're all in the same boat, and our children are around kids who get it who get their life, who get what it's like that my dad's in transition and doesn't have a job right now to, oh, we just won a championship. Like everybody gets it and the wives are the same. And then there's things like the AFCWA that, you know, you have that group where, um, you know, you just, you, you glean from each other, you glean this, that wisdom and, and all that. And I think that just is so, it comes from all those different levels. We've, we've learned some great lessons on in every move we've been in that have formed you know our life and our our experiences and would not trade any of them Hmm. so I love it I love hearing you talk about it I think it's very important I take a I make sure that I try and and ladies keep me accountable on this but try to interview different wives and different levels of football because I love to hear their experiences you know we all go through the same things like you said I mean Absolutely. The pain point. And it doesn't be make different, one more important still... than the other. No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. They're completely different in some ways, but so much the same. Yeah. And no level is more important than the other. Um, and I think, um, you know, there's sometimes that you, you might be at a quote unquote, what the world sees as a better or higher level. That's really a little, you know, not as impactful as, kind of in a different sense, you know, and, and we've seen that. Um, but once again, I really just, you know, I know it's like a broken record, but it all goes back to our faith. Like God has us here until he moves us. And when he moves us, we'll dig in and, and join that community and do what we can and be a part of it. And, you know, and relation, that's another thing is no matter what level you're on, coaching is about relationships mm. and it's the, what is the relationships that me particularly for coaches wise, but it's also my children's relationships with other coaches kids and, and, um, you know, the coaches relationships, like my husband has been on staffs that have been just so great for mentoring him has other staffs he's had to mentor, um, you know, and, and everything in between of that and, and, and all of that. And we've all learned, you know, from that and, Truly, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade one job we've had. I might have trade a couple of houses or schools. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Maybe a couple of the losing seasons, the winning seasons. But really, you know, it's made of who we are. You're an encourager. What do you tell Coach Nix on those tough days? You know, I think more than anything, I remind him of just perspective. Uh, things take time. Uh, he'll go through. It's it's just like clockwork. You know, new job. So, you know, you hear those stages of grief, so to speak. It's almost like there's stages of transition. Mm. Um, And he'll, I I know the excitement at the beginning and then the, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, and then the thinking it through and then, oh, you know, what do I need to change? All of that. And it's 
it's all perspective. So sometimes I do have to pull them back and like, you know, things take time. And this, you know, and then when we do get established and get going and all of a sudden we've turned around, we've been there two or three seasons. And then it, it's remind that relationships is what we're here and, and um, the losses we get over, you know, and, and the wins we get over, you know, and it truly is about sharing Christ um, and being impactful and just to truly make the world a better place. What are some of the ways that you try to reach out to those players and those coaches' wives, that circle of influence that you have? Um, well, it has changed for me um, as a different, you know, the role that I have on a staff. I was a head college coach's wife. I was young and quite frankly, didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so, you know, I've changed a lot from now. Um, you know, I told you my father-in-law was a very successful high school coach. And then, so, you know, he had a very successful life behind him. And she has been a great mentor to me, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law. Um, fabulous. I did not even pretend to be the head coach of life that she was. Um, she had the staff over to her house after every Friday night football game for yeah. over 40 years. Way. So go think about that, you know, with children, without children, fed them. Um, every Friday night for an hour or two after the game. So I'm not that, I'm not that great, but, um, but anyway, though, but she did, she taught me the importance of just loving my staff. And and I hope if anything, that's what, you know, our staff sees is that, um, and now that I've kind of transitioned into being the older one, you know, I hate to say that. Right. I used to be the youngest on the staff. And, and I can remember that first time we went on a staff that I actually, my child was old enough to be the babysitter instead of me always needing the babysitter. It was kind of eye opening, like, wow. Um, So that's kind of changed and, and, and how, you know, the different role that I have with that. But, you know, I try to, um, honestly, we, we we're closer during in season than we are out of season. Um, We talk a lot more this season. I try to try to constantly know, let my wives know I'm there. I've been there and help with children and, I'm a big proponent of bringing your children to the games. Um, I think that goes back to the question earlier that you asked me, you know, and, and, and so I know that's not easy. And I know that task is extremely difficult if you have more than one or if you have one that might need a little bit more special attention or whatever. And I had three under five mm-hmm. and I wagged all of them to all the games and they were the big division one stadiums. And sometimes I think I'm crazy, but they are so thankful um, you know, and, um, that's where I try to help more than anything. And it helps kind of keep me a little loose on Friday nights, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all that I really, you know, try to, try to help let them know they feel comfortable bringing their family and or bringing their kids. And, and it's, it's lonely sometimes doing that by yourself. So that's where I try to love on them and, and all. And, and as far as players, you know, that, that role has been different too, because, um, as a college position wife or head coach's wife, you have an opportunity. It is a different role. Um, as a high school, you, you you might know their names a little more. You might know them more. But then as your children get older, they're your friends. You know, they're friends of your children. That's a little bit different, too. You know some of them better than others because of that. Um, it also is, is strangely different because you're also still the head coach's wife. So things, you know, um, get a little tedious there sometimes. But, um, you know, I just try to make it wel- welcoming for, for all. To, I always want a player's parent or 
or met, you know, to know that we're, Patrick and I are open and we're parents too. And we're, we're doing this thing with them too. So, you know, although he's the coach, we're also in that stage of life right now. So, so that kind of changes as, as my role as my kids change and, and the school changes. So I'm excited about my new staff. I really don't even know them yet. And that's just because, you know, that's transition for you. Right. Takes some time. And um, so I'm excited in the next few months as we start spring to, to get, and Patrick gets the, the staff settled that, um, you know, we, we dive into a new, a new, but then I never lose the wives that I've had, you know, they're always a part of me and always thankful for social media on that end that you get to keep up with, with everybody and an occasional visit, you know, is, is great. So. I know sometimes you learn what your husband's done all day on social media as he's connecting with players. Do you ever, yeah. (laughs) So do you have a date night during the season or off season or close? It's funny, we do not, and I know that's rare of what a lot of people do, and I know it's kind of the FCA thing to do when you do a marriage retreat, you know, have a date night, and, and I am a proponent of that. If you can fit that in, more power to you. For years in college, um, we would definitely go to AFCA convention together, and then in the summer, we would make sure we had a, a time, a little vacation together, no matter what the age of our kids, you know, were. Um, and then throughout the week, we're very intentional about um, conversations at night, even if that meant I'm staying up a little bit more, you know, and hey, I get it especially on the college level when your your schedule is not defined by your husband, it's defined by that head coach. And when they leave and when they come home, I know I've been there, done that. Um, now I'm in a stage where my husband defines the calendar and the schedule. And so um, it's a little bit more, you know, it's more feasible, easier to make that time. And um, so we just, um, to be real candid, we just now we make sure that we go to bed together um, so that we can have five or 10 minutes where we are catching up on the day and we can figure out what's how we're going to get started on the next day because quite frankly with five children not at home anymore but still it's a lot of going throughs you know of of this is happening that's happening and and um you know just just right now um I've got a planning a wedding we're in transition I've got one about to graduate middle of softball season got you know I mean just a lot of things going on so yeah I wish I could say we had date night but it's just not worked for us um but I will say that I have a husband who's very very intentional about talking to me during the day even if I'm doing a 12-hour shift I'll get a text are you okay Mm-hmm. And that I probably get that text more than I get love you, you know, mm-hmm. because um, that's just his way of like, we're going to connect during the day. Um, and that's very important to Patrick. And I think that helps us connect. Whereas I know a lot of, you know, my wives share like, yeah, I'll go days and not even speak to him. And that's just not what we do. And it's hard. We have to be very intentional about it, you know, and there are times that, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy, but it's just something that, that we work, work toward. So away from football, away from being a nurse and a mom of five children, what do you enjoy doing? Oh my goodness. I, I love to read when I can, um, love a good Hallmark movie or masterpiece, maybe, um, you know, love, um, 
and I guess you can say Netflix here and there if I have time. You know, love to, used to do a lot more scrapbooking than I do now. Love to do that. Love to go back through our memories. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's one thing I enjoy about scrapbooking. I love going back and, and seeing, um, you know, the kid even from a year ago or whatever. That's one of my favorite things to do. And, um, you know, we love to travel. We love to go um, and I do that, and Patrick is so great about letting us do that, you know, even in his busy times or whatever, he's not, you know, did a did a two-week Europe vacation with my two best friends last summer, and it was two weeks kind of coincided with some of his vacation, but it wasn't like, woe is me, you're leaving, it was like, you know, go and do that, he knows that um, that's something I enjoy, so that's really where you can find me. All-time favorite coach's wife memory. Oh, my gosh. There are so many, so many. Um, I have to say that it was um, our uh, – well, this could be – could it ever be – could you ever have one that's the all-time favorite and the all-time, like, one you want to forget? Um, <laughs> our, our, it was Bo's junior year, our first year here at Pinson, about three years – in 2017 – we were playing a quarterfinal game, and it really had been built up to being the, quote, state championship. It was the number one and number two. We were driving about an hour and a half north, and um, we had planned to, as coaches' wives, had to meet and to experience that game together. And we decided to get the kids something to eat because a lot of wives, we don't eat before the game. And so we were stopping a little barbecue place, and I had made it to where the kids would eat, but I, oh, before that, we decided to eat. I'd made it to where we would meet in a Target parking lot because we're kind of mm -hmm. live all spread out here in Birmingham. And we would shoot up the interstate and make the game together. And um, so we did. It was a fantastic, incredible game. And my memory of the wives experiencing that together um, was probably my most favorite game with a group of wives and sitting through it and getting, we won by one point. Mm -hmm. We had, we had, um, we had trailed the whole entire game and we went into overtime and Patrick went for two instead of to kick to tie it. So we went for two to the win. So it was either wow. like win or lose. Wow. And we won and it was so, but the, what made that so horribly awful is I had forgot a wife at the Target parking lot. <gasps> Oh, and about 30 no. minutes into our trip, she calls and she's like this warrior mom with small kids and she's divvied them out and she'd gotten there on time. She's like, hey, where's everybody? And I had just forgot her. Like, there's just oh, no, no excuses, no way around it. I forgot Samantha. And it has broken my heart. But I laughed because I was like, that was the best game and then the worst start to the best game because I did. I was just not just not thinking and very nervous as a coach's wife and mom oh, for that yes. game. And, yes. and also I left one in the target parking lot and we left, she had to drive ourselves all that way. Um, but then it ended up, it was fabulous. So. Wow. Anyway. Wow. You ready for some rapid fire questions? Oh, absolutely. Hit me okay. up. All right. What's the last book you've read? Well, I'm reading my Bible through the year with my children this year. So I'm doing a lot of Bible reading at the time. But the last complete fictional book I read was The Nightingale by Kristen Hannon. I'm actually starting a different one of hers. And um, actually this weekend I started The Great Alone. So. Oh, very cool. Coach surprises you. Walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? Kill Sun Worship, no doubt. It would be his song. And then if he was really feeling good and crazy and put his country hat on, we'd probably have a little Reba 
Reba McIntyre, but yeah. he would take me there. That's his That's girl. Awesome. That's his girl. <laughs> but no, it would be Hillsong, no doubt. Oh, Hillsong. Everyone has a few things that might need replacing around the house or maybe in our closet. What's the ugliest thing you own? Well, that ugliest thing I owned was actually given away today. And I love saying that because I'm cleaning out as in I'm in transition. But I have an, I had an awful old beat up washer machine that was literally kept together by duct tape, camo <laughs> duct tape. And um, was eight, my sweet husband got me a new washer for Christmas and it's been sitting out there forever and ever. And I actually was able to share it and give it away today. So I'm um, actually doesn't, I don't really know if I own any ugly, ugly thing anymore. I know that I have some out of date stuff <laughs> <laughs> after 25 years, yes. but um, I, I got rid of my washing machine today. That's a good feeling when you're cleaning out. If you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? Any first lady of the United States. I mean, give me Melania, Michelle, Eleanor, Nancy, Jacqueline, any one of them, and I would be a happy camper. You get a night alone. What show would you binge watch? Any Masterpiece series on PBS. If coaching weren't a profession, what would your husband be? Oh, a lawyer, maybe a pastor, but a lawyer who just loves to argue. <laughs> what sport can you beat Coach Nixon? Oh, nothing. I wish I could. My boys say all the time, Mom, if you were any kind of athlete, uh, you know, we could really be good. Um, but maybe gymnastics. I take that back. Maybe maybe some gymnastics had a little bit of that when I was younger. Maybe so, okay. but not that, probably not anything. What's your favorite fast food restaurant? I'm a good old Southern Chick-fil-A girl. Hey, yeah. So, yeah, you can't yeah. go wrong. Have you yeah, had a especially soup? with tortilla soup. Oh, I like it. Yeah. And their new mac and cheese is pretty good. Yes, for sure. Have you had a superpower? What would that be? Probably I would have eyes in the back of my head. Oh, see, no one said that before. That's good. Oh, really? No. Yes. Yeah, I just think that, you know how all the time as moms, we say, I've got eyes in the back of my head, I can watch you. And I think, oh, if we really could, how fascinating would that be? Of course, oh, I might be looking at all the mistakes I made in the past, and that would be very good. But, <laughs> but no, I would love to be able to see what everybody's doing. So. Well, thank you so much, Krista. This has been amazing. Thanks for opening your heart with us. Oh, you're so welcome. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Live podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.